Before we hack into it, just a friendly warning that this episode contains descriptions of human sacrifice, genocide, bad language, and all sorts of other nasty stuff. So it's definitely not suited for all listeners. Hello everyone, welcome to Modern Gistory, the podcast that is committed to breaking off history's dull ribs to reveal the juicy heart beating beneath. And in this episode, we will dip into the chocolate-coated culture of the Aztecs and the spicy salsa of their visiting, not-so-friendly Spanish friends. I'm your host, Chris Parker, and joining me once again is the less spicy, but ever chocolatey, Nathan Denham, who you will remember from our earlier episode on the Cold War. Welcome back to the podcast, Nate. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me back. Tell me, how have you survived with the fame and uh, fortune that you've received since your first podcast on the Cold War? Oh, look, it's been a, a, a constant struggle and hassle. Yeah. I've, um, yeah, been well, stopped on the street. You seem to be weathering it better than Princess Di did. Uh, for now. For now. For now, Just yeah. Maybe yeah. stay not, away from cars and tunnels. I'm not tunnels. through any tunnels. No. Yeah. Now, Naderade, we're here today to talk about the Aztecs. Yeah, sounds fam- good to me. The famous... I would say ancient Mexicans, but they're not so ancient. People perceive them mm. as being ancient, but they're not. No, they're, no. They are contemporaries with Tudor England. Relatively recent. Mm. Yeah. But so, they have that vibe of a ancient um, native tribal yeah. culture. General consensus of, of popular historians in the 19th, sorry, in the 19th and the, in the 20th centuries were that they were a lesser people. And I think that that's what's led to this, this idea that they are this ancient uh, uh, undeveloped, uncivilized society. But as we're going to discover today through our conversation, this is just not true. Yeah, that's not it. It's, that's not it's, them. It's not true at all. Now, when did you first start hearing about the Aztecs and, and when did you first develop an interest in them? Oh, I think it was. There used to be a restaurant nearby called Montezuma's. And, there was. Um, they had a, an Aztec headdress as their logo. Mm. And I found that really interesting as a kid. But Did really, you also find it interesting how you went the next day in the toilet after after a night at Montezuma's? That's interesting you bring that up because my uh, actual gateway was like finding out what Montezuma's revenge was. Yeah, have you heard that? No, you but I've got is? to. I know it sounds it sounds spicy. It's diarrhea. Yep. Yeah, and um, but like colloquially, it gets called Montezuma's revenge because it's apparently the curse Montezuma put on um, travelers. It's a pretty after. long, pretty long lived curse. Oh, it's enduring. Hey? My first experience of Aztecs. Um, is well, I was about eleven when I got my first ever video game that I bought and yeah, owned myself. Right. Forget Commander Kameen Keen, forget Pac-Man, forget that kind of stuff that sort of yeah. exists in our mild consciousness of our childhood. The first time that I became obsessed with a game was one called Sid Meier's Civilization Two. Yeah, and I know that a number of our listeners are big into that franchise. And uh, there was a the civilization of the Aztecs was one of like the default things, and the theme song was even called Montezuma, I believe, from that. Other than that, again, as I move forward a couple of years, I'm in high school now, Age of Kings comes out, which is the sequel to Age of Empires, mm-hmm. as you well, well oh. remember. Right? Yeah. And they had in their expansion pack uh, like a Spanish conquest yeah, right. section of the game. And I learned more about the Aztecs then. Yeah. But you just mentioned Spice, and I'm glad that you did because I think that just about everyone who'd be listening to this would be, would be familiar, if not appreciative, of Aztec foods. And oh, if they're absolutely. not sure about that, GYG. Yeah. Right? GYG is like... The fundamentals of an Aztec diet, never mind with the addition of modern preservatives yeah. and additives and all sorts of shit that they've stuffed into their horse meat, maybe, I don't know, a bit of, bit of goat intestines or whatever else is they blend ibis. in there. Yeah, a bit of ibis, a bit <laughs> yeah. of bin chicken, yeah. whatever it is that they put in there now. But we're talking about foods like avocado, tomatoes, 
every bean, just yes. about except for soybeans. Um, we've got maize, which is basically corn, yeah. uh, the original corn, which without maize, we don't have tortillas. Is yeah. that how you pronounce them? Tortilla, I think. Uh, yeah, I think. tortilla. What, I'm, the L is I'm not silent. Spanish myself. If the L is silent, why are there two of them? Um, to make them silent. <laughs> they cancel each other out. Double negative. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and on a note, just a quick side note on pronunciation and language. Oh, yeah, for please, that. thanks. Now, um, neither of us are native Spanish speakers. I can't even roll my R's. And I can't even pronounce the name of the language that the Aztecs even spoke. And I can't even... Look, there's going to be lots of different way, ways that we don't pronounce things correctly. So we ask that you forgive us for that. Obviously, chilies. Chilies is a mm-hmm. big part of the, of, them as, of the Aztec diet as well. And then, of course, there's the number one. Yeah, yeah the crown. The crown and glory. Yeah, yeah. yeah the most enduring... Uh, legacy of the Aztecs, I would say. Chocolate. Yeah. Okay, yeah. which they didn't pronounce, it wasn't called. They didn't call it chocolat back No, then. and it certainly didn't taste anywhere near as, you know, a glass and a half in every one. Yeah, quite um, bitter. It was, it, was, it was actually nasty shit. And I think mm. that it, for the fact that the, the, the Europeans came along and tasted that and saw some merit and some future in the flavor yeah. of the original chocolate bean or the cocoa bean. Yeah. I mean that's foresight. That is, yeah. That's, early adopters. That's it. They like, yeah. this is this tastes like shit, but I'm sure. Yeah. With a lot of other stuff that we can get yeah. from our colonies, this if will be okay. If we load this with sugar and whatever the goo is inside a cream egg, we can make this work. <laughs> <laughs> this is right. So, other things that people might be aware of when it comes to Aztecs, uh, we've got the step pyramids, which are just like normal pyramids but they're surrounded by jungle vines mm-hmm. and they hold crystal skulls. If you're a fan of George Lucas, Lucas films and, and Steven Spielberg films, we've also, obviously we've also got human sacrifice and blood yeah. rituals. Aztecs are famous for that this. That is, if they're famous for one thing, I would say it is for being brutal. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah, that's worth getting into. We because, will. Uh, we, they've got some nasty tricks. In tell me way. we're going to talk about some of that stuff. For sure. Absol- for sure. Well, I would hope so. Uh, then of course we've got probably the most famous Aztec of them all, Montezuma mm-hmm. or Moctezuma, Moctezuma. As, as they've since pronounced yeah, him. Um, nobody really knows how it's pronounced or how it was spelt even then um, because all of the codexes were destroyed. But with the exception of uh, the rituals and everything that I've just mentioned, we've also got the, probably the the end game uh, for the the, Moz, the, Az, the the Aztec story, which is, of course, the Spanish conquest and mm-hmm. Hernan Cortes and his yeah. friends as they come over looking for chocolate and gold. Yeah, he's And I'm probably going to get done for cultural appropriation for doing a Spanish accent. But, hey, mm. let's see what happens. And then, of course, they come to – they bring their some of their most famous imports to, to this part of the world, which is the Dis- Spanish language yeah. and the colonies and yeah. disease. And disease, yeah. And disease, yeah. you know. No one does smallpox like a Spanish version of smallpox. I mean, they later invented their own flu. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. They're innovators. They are. Absolutely. And incubators of viral oh, yeah, plague. Yeah. Uh, and so this was, of course, the Spanish largely resulted in the destruction of um, Aztec life and culture yeah. um, as we know it. And it's not until many, many years later, hundreds of years later, that we start to see a renaissance of Aztec culture and ideas as the Mexicans themselves start to after their um, independence and, and whatnot, start to propagate and, and, and encourage, again, the rebirth of their own cultures and traditional rituals and, yeah. and principles. So we start to see that coming back. And again, like we said earlier with the, with the pop culture of video games, um, it's, it's all coming back to me it now, to quote part. Celine Dion. Yeah, yeah mm. your favourite philosopher, Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> um, she is, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wasn't joking. I know you um, weren't, you know. Yeah, there's things about this that... Um, the, the Aztec story that you do that do come up in 
contemporary Mexico, which is quite interesting to see, right through to the um, the Mexican flag, which I think is the most badass flag in the world. Yeah. Jog me through it. What are we looking at? It's so we are looking at a an eagle roosting on a prickly pear, clutching a snake in its claw, eating, mm. biting the snake, eating the snake, mm. and um, that comes from a uh, an Aztec omen prophecy uh, about where they would find their home, which uh, is pretty cool. Speaking about their homes, mm-hmm. let's get into it. Let's talk about okay, the formation of this Aztec and their culture because their home, Tenochtitlan, which you pronounce differently to I. Um, is, yeah, is, an, was, is an absolute badass city because it's built in the middle of a lake. That's it. So talk us through, give us the history there. Okay, so it wasn't um, it wasn't their original home. So the people of Tenochtitlan are, are called the Mexica, where the name Mexico comes from. Mm. Um, they are originally from the north, north of that lake Texcoco, which... Um, which is the lake that... That's the lake, and that's where in. the story basically centers. Um, so they moved down from the north... They were originally an agrarian people, so farmers, um, nice, decent folk. Um, Hard-working but, agrarian folk of northern Mexico. Yes, yeah. and, um, but they had an invisible friend who was a bit cheeky. Um, this, this, reading through this again in the last couple of days reminded me of the movie Drop Dead Fred. Do you mm. remember it from the 90s? It's a, I, it's, know the, I know the name, I don't know the film. It's a deep cut. So this woman has an invisible friend, who, um, a childhood invisible friend who she carries through to adulthood, and he convinces her to do naughty things. That's the Aztecs. Okay, and um, this is a god, I'm guessing. But they yeah, have many gods. They're they have many polytheistic, gods. Polytheistic. Polytheistic. But they yeah. do have a primary god, the god of sun and war. His name is... Brace yourselves. This is a pronunciation um, shit show you're about to witness. <laughs> Huichilipochtli. You did quite well. Thank you. You did quite well. Thank you. I think. Um, I, don't, I have yeah, no I idea. Yeah. I have no idea. Aztecs will get back to me. Let me know how I'm sure, sure yeah. they'll be very kind with Aztecs, their feedback. If you, are, if you are an Aztec slash Mexican person and you can correct us on this, we would love that because your corrections will make us better. Uh, feel free to, to reach out and tell us how shit we are. Yeah, All right. please do. Back to you, Nate. So, Huichilipochtli uh, wanted his people to move to new lands. Um, and those who opposed him were slain and their hearts ripped from their chests. Well, it, as happens. Yeah, as happens. Um, that's the, that's the creation. Perhaps they myth. didn't warn them. Mm. So the people of Huichilipochtli, the Mexica, they're moving around uh, Lake Texcoco and they are not liked because they are, um, redheads. Wor- worse, violent, <laughs> um, violent, redheads. violent, um, as, as evidenced by the, uh, hearts being, being ripped from chests, they have very little, um, hesitance in killing people in brutal ways. Right. Um, but they are not like, because they're moving around, they're a small people. They've got no established, um, land. There's no, and there's no, is there, is there any kind of like government chiefdom sort of tribalism set up there or is it, they are, they're not unified as such as a federated group of tribes. This group, the Mexica are unified, but they're unified under a, like a warrior King. One of the most interesting stories from this period of time is while the, the Mexica are moving around Lake, uh, Lake Texcoco, they seek refuge from the, another, another pronunciation nightmare coming up, the Colhuacan, who are a kingdom on the shores of Lake Texcoco. They mm. seek refuge with these people. The king takes them in. God bless him. I don't know why he would, but he did. But he gave them the absolute most garbage land to work. They did it. The Mexica did it. And they um, turned the land around. They made it fertile and were able to establish themselves. Look at them go. So they're riding high. Look at them go. They had a go and they got a go. 
because <laughs> this um, is the origins of the Liberal Party. That's it. Yeah. Um, so they're riding high. They've actually they're experiencing some success. Um, so they then approach the um, one of the rulers of the the Kulhua Khan and say, "We want to um, strengthen our diplomatic ties. Mm. Can we have one of your beautiful daughters to become a wife of Quichilipochli?" Mm. And this ruler. Not really knowing what they mean, but he's like, yeah, diplomacy is great. We love diplomacy. And this is what daughters are for. That's, yeah. I mean, this is ex- happening in Europe at the exact same time. Yeah. So I'm yet to see why these guys are any less barbarous than the European... Hold, hold my beer. Yeah, hold your beer. Okay. <laughs> um, so he agrees. The daughter goes away with the, the Mexica. What then happens is she is um, stabbed through the chest, her heart ripped out. And then her skin removed from her body. One of the priests wears her flayed skin to a ceremony that the king is then invited to. The oh. king recognizes his daughter's skin on a priest and the Mexica are cast out of those lands faster than you can blink. They are chased to the shores of Lake Texcoco and uh, flee on canoe. And hell. Right? That's... Yeah. So they, they got... They got brutality. Yeah, that's that's okay. Cool. So this is the origins of the as the the Mexica. Now, at some point they rise. Let's just fast forward. Yeah. Let's fast forward to the rise. They've they've shown how. So they settle this badass um, they can be. While they've gone, they've fled into onto Lake Texcoco. They find an island in the middle of Lake Texcoco, a big island which they settle as Tenochtitlan. Um, they are. Uh, they see this eagle. Resting on a cactus, holding a snake, mm. which is prophesized by mm. Quich the Pochley, this will be your new home. They see it. It becomes their new center of power. Fast forward now to, to the Tudor, the times, the 1500s, yep. the early Renaissance, I guess. Did you know that Tenochtitlan is actually five times larger than London with a population yeah. of 200 to possibly 400,000 people? It is it's, huge. It is bustling, man. Like, this is this is huge. Like any other metropolis that's happening around the world as such, that there's slavery there. Yep. They've got religion and, and priesthood and ritualistic yep. practices there. Of course, like the human sacrifice. We've got food markets. We've got agriculture because you can't grow a whole lot on this island, right? No. So I'm guessing their agriculture takes place off the island, across the bridges, in which to which there are a number of yep. bridges yep, going to They are the beating heart of this empire that has expanded north and expanded south. And like any beating heart, conquest. when you clog the artery, it's going to choke it. It's going we'll to kill it. We are going to get yep. there. We're going to get there. But uh, have you ever heard of a flower war? I have. You've, yeah, have yeah, you got? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is my, one of my favorite things about the Aztecs. They've got a centralized city. They've got a centralized leader of a large group of people, but yep. they don't take all of their neighbors out. They could. They've mm-hmm. got the numbers. They've got the means. They've got the everything, the power, but they leave some of their neighbors to be free. And the reason they do this, allegedly, is so that they can have these little battles from time to time. Yeah. And they can have these little battles, and it's important to note that Aztec weapons were not sharp. They were blunted deliberately so that that way they could maim their enemy because mm-hmm. they the gods were far more receptive to a beating heart being plucked from a chest while it's still beating yeah. uh, than one that's been killed on the battlefield. So they would have these, basically, these carnivals, these, these battlefield carnivals where they would fight against each other, maim as many as they can, drag them back to their own hometowns and sacrifice them to yeah, what's his name? Their, um, yeah, they hold yeah, sacrifice hold the sacrifice to the sky. Yeah, he's just doing a shoey of human blood. Yeah. Uh, and, and these flower wars uh, happen on and off over the 1500s. And, and uh, it's one of these sort of concepts that causes the Spanish to go, man, you guys are some serious messed up. I mean, I know we've got a dead carpenter bleeding on a piece of wood. Yeah. And that 
that's bad enough. Yeah. But what you guys are doing regarding your it's gods. It's a huge waste is, of human life. It's a huge waste of human life. Let's go to the arrival of the Spanish. So they're actually launching from Cuba, I think, when they, they first are. come to find so, the Mexicans. Uh, in 1518, the, uh, the governor of Cuba, he appoints Hernan Cortez, and he's our main guy for the Spanish. He appoints him to lead an expedition into the interior of Mexico to look to settle it, right? Um, to colonize it. They've also got a very strong taste for gold at this point. They have they? The a big are, lust for gold. Yeah, they, Ma- um, so so strong is their lust that I read recently that they took so much gold from the Americas back to Spain that it actually crashed the Spanish economy. Really? Yeah, they took, yeah, they actually devalued it um, because they had that much of it going back. They should have done a planned release like um, real estate agents do. And that's that's why I think that we see these during during the the height of piracy, of course, because the Spanish at this time in history are starting to bring this back. And so for the next 200 years, it's just fat cows to be milked, carried with golden milk heading back to Europe. So yeah, take us back to to Cortez. So Cortez, uh, he's appointed by the governor of Cuba. Uh, to lead this uh, expedition, but that doesn't go off without a hitch. And it's important to sort of sow this seed because it pays dividends later on. Mm. Uh, Before Cortes can leave, the Spanish governor of Cuba revokes his permission because Cortes had been courting the governor's uh, sister-in-law while having an affair with his sister-in-law's sister. He's a player. He is a player. It's a Spanish word for player. El player. El we're going to go with that. I think that means the beach in Spanish. I think it, it actually does. Yeah, yeah. It does la, la playa. The beach. Yeah. He is the beach. He's the He's beach. He's the son of a beach. Yes. Um, but so this, um, his permission to uh, lead this expedition uh, is revoked. Cortez says, nah, mate, I'm going anyway. Yeah. He does, which is um, not good. That's not what you should do. You shouldn't uh, ignore orders from but your But this superior. guy, I would normally agree with you, mm. but this guy's actually got the goods to back it. Oh, I mean, he does. Cortez is a guy worth backing. Yeah. He's, he is so confident in his leadership. Yeah. And it's not, mis, it's not misguided. No. He's actually extremely good at, at not only coordinating military expeditions, he's actually really good at negotiating, and I'll use that word very loosely, yeah, yeah. with native tribes to get what he wants to he produce his best outcome. a very good diplomat. Extremely um, good. And that there is a, a huge uh, contrast to be made between Cortez and Montezuma. Yes. Um, because yes. Cortez is not a fighter. He's a talker. Yeah. He's a good talker. So he's walking through uh, trying to map out the central parts of, of modern-day Mexico. Yeah. And he comes across a number of local tribes. Now, they have a few horses, but not too many because it's quite hard to get horses through jungles. Yes. Um, yeah. and it's dense he, jungle, he actually which, again, has, is worth sowing that seed because that comes back later on. Yeah, that it is, is dense. Yeah. yeah, And he doesn't have as many guns as you'd probably think he has. His, his, his following is largely made up of native tribes. Yeah. Um, and so he's, again, through, like you say, through his diplomacy, he's yeah. got this collective. There, there are... Um, they're a military collective yes, um, yeah. put together and they're on their way through and they come to Texcoco and they come to um, Tenochtitlan and they meet Montezuma. Yeah. How does that meeting go? So to this point, Cortez has had some success getting allies from neighboring uh, kingdoms because there are people around Lake, uh, Lake Texcoco who are interested in seeing the Aztecs change. They are cruel leaders. Uh, they're not. In, they're not seeing the benefit of the flower wars. They're losing lots of people, lots of good soldiers. Um, Montezuma, Moctezuma, welcomes Cortez in, and uh, this is one of those kind. It's of, a bold strategy, Tom. Yeah. Let's see how it pays off for it. This is one of those kind of forks in the road where there are two competing stories. He could have squashed him right then and there. That would have been the end of Cortez. There would have been, the and end no of one Cortez. in Spain would have missed him by the sounds of it. No, it sounds like he. Yeah, um, mm. Moctezuma didn't know that. 
But there are people who say well, Moctezuma is weak-willed leader. History doesn't bear that to be true. He had expanded the Aztec Empire and um, uh, Tenochtitlan was the wealthiest, most prosperous it had ever been. Mm. He was a fierce ruler. Right. Um, so why welcome in Cortez? He just a bit of a uh, diplomatic faux pas here because Cortez then arrests him. Basically, hey, yeah, basically. they become yeah. He they become he welcomes him in. Cortez then puts him under house arrest, which he yeah. can do because unlike Aztec weapons, the Spanish ones are actually sharp. Yeah, and he basically has administrative rule over Tenochtitlan as he yeah. is also learning about their culture and their and that he kind of stuff. He's using Moctezuma as like a puppet ruler. Yes. from um, yeah, keeps him under house arrest. He's, um, yeah, instead of charting out and, and rebuilding um, Mexico, he uh, he's ally- he's realigning the wheel, not reinventing it. Yeah. So Cortez is then called away for business in in fifteen twenty. Yeah. So this governor of Cuba, mm. who is still aforementioned bit, pissed bit off salty, guy, bit yep. cranky, yep. sends uh, a second expedition to rein in Cortez. They arrive, and uh, so, so Cortez, Cortez he leaves heads out of there. leaves Tenochtitlan to go deal with this. Now he, I've got this name. He okay. leaves it under the control yep. of Pedro de. Alvarado. Yes, he does. Yes. That's very good. Thank you. That's a very romantic I was, sounding yeah, name. Thank you. Yeah. Don Juan. Don't look into my eyes while I say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it yeah, doesn't go so well. So Cortez goes to the coast to deal with this second uh, expedition who's come to rein him in. And he is able to convince quite a few of those soldiers to Decide just him. join me, guys. Mm. Uh, we all hate the governor of Cuba, don't we? And they're all like, yeah, we do. We've all had mixed success cracking onto his sister-in-laws as well. Um, <laughs> we'll join you. Uh, and so he then hurries back to uh, Tenochtitlan because your mate, whose name? Pedro de Alvarado. Has lost control. He's of the got some mischief. They, well, they, there was a, a party. In in Cortez's this is another absence. fork in the fork in the road yeah, that we've got this competing was a, stories. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So my my story that I have is that there was a bit of a festival that was going on that was misinterpreted by these guys by the Spanish and the Spanish opened fire on a couple of them and which led to mass riots and then it became really serious. Yeah. So two competing uh, stories I've heard are that um, when it became apparent that there was going to be significant human sacrifice at this party, mm. the Spanish intervened. Because the Spanish don't like killing people for other gods. They just like killing people for their own. Yes. The yeah. Sp- famously um, not interested in killing in the name of God, Spain, mm. uh, are like, no, we're not doing that, guys. Uh, Rain it in and open fire and then massacred a heap of noblemen in the temple. Mm. Um, the Aztec's version of the story is that the Spanish um, caught sight of some gold they wanted and uh, opened fire on some noblemen in the temple. Those are both kind of credible And any stories. competing colonial power is actually going to side with the Aztec version of that story as well. So that's yeah. hard. That's hard to get a read on that yeah. because How you're going to get decide? the French and the English as well saying, yeah, those yeah. Spanish yeah. gold-hungry fiends. Yeah. Guard your gold around the Spanish boys. And um, and apparently your, your daughter-in-laws, mm. um, if that's who it was, or his sister-in-law. So Cortez comes back. Cortez comes back. To this and chaos. And is this when the siege of Tenochtitlan begins? No. that uh, So we've missed an important step. Um, Moctezuma is killed. Oh, is that during that time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, Moctezuma Rock is... Rock to the head, is that right? Fork in the road. Two competing stories. He got stoned. Two competing stories. Okay. So Moctezuma is ordered by the Spanish. Before Cortez arrives back, he is ordered by the Spanish, you need to get your people under control. Moctezuma tries to pacify his people, and the two competing stories are, the first is that the people of Tenochtitlan are so disgusted by Moctezuma wanting to pacify them that they stone him to death. Mm. The second is that Moctezuma is unsuccessful in pacifying his people, and so the Spanish, recognising that he is no longer a useful tool... Black bag him. Yeah. I like yeah. the second version of the story, to be honest. I think that honest. sounds likely. I think that's... Yeah, they... Um 
So th- then, then we get onto this siege now as well. This yeah. is the end. So Cortez arrives back, um, but Tenochtitlan is well and truly kicked off. The Spanish are driven out of the city and they suffer huge losses. Mm. They are offered comfort. Uh, and Remember, folks, that this is an island city yeah. that has been has reinforced edges as well, and it also has, uh, I think, it's three entry points via bridges to the city as mm-hmm. well. So the Spanish they're coming across the the, the lake itself by boat yep. as such, um, and they're also trying to get headway with their cavalry across bridges, but that's not going too well at times. Yeah, uh, so they flee into Tlaxcala, uh, where um, they're offered support and. Uh, Cortez is well and well truly his back foot. They um, are able to... Well, again, the native tribes surrounding this are going yeah, to be very supportive of the Spanish. They recognise that the Spanish have a real chance here to um, yep. to kill this beating heart. Um, and so they offer enormous support. They uh, help Cortez move ships across land from the coast through dense jungle, which is an enormous feat of like strength and power in numbers. Yeah, yep. Um, they are able to start a, uh, a siege of Tenochtitlan. They cut it off lasts for quite a while too. Eight months. Yeah, that's an incredibly long siege. Yeah. They cut off the causeways, so there's no uh, food coming into Tenochtitlan. They yeah. cut off the aqueduct, so there's no fresh water coming into Tenochtitlan. So during the siege, we've only got a couple of spurts of actual head-to-head yeah. melee violence, haven't we? And again, what chance does uh, blunt weapon or obsidian glass stand against... No, Spanish ships with cannons in the, in the lake. And they're just blasting the absolute yeah. shit out of, of Tenochtitlan. And again, their leader's lost. I know that there's a second leader who replaces Moctezuma. Yeah, and he does not last very long. Oh, that's just like Joseph Goebbels. Like, yeah. you know, Second World War, Hitler blows his brains out. Goebbels like, yay, I'm Fuhrer. Yeah, I'll For hold 15 minutes, I'll yeah. hold this. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. Cortez has a secret ally inside Tenochtitlan, smallpox. Uh, small uh, and indeed. That's, that's quite an ally to have. Mm. Um, so... Uh, because that does most of the fighting. It does. It's surprising, to be honest, that it lasted eight months. Yeah, this is what happens when you have Europeans who carry diseases but have had developed natural immunity through decades of exposure. Smallpox. Tell me how that affects the body. Do you know about that? Yes. Yeah, tell me about yeah. it. Uh, so it starts off uh, like initially presents as fever and vomiting, mm. uh, then uh, progresses into a rash. That rash develops into lots of really small pustules. They're characteristically like, like sort yeah, of things. small blisters with a dimple in the middle of them yep. that then start oozing. It can lead to like, in best case scenario, it leads to scarring, can lead to blindness. It has a huge mortality rate and it's so, um, so contagious. Yeah. Those pustules, um, the scabs, all of that cont- uh, contaminates material. I'm hungry. I'm this sounds not delicious. So I, was, sounds... I was ready to go when we were talking about chocolate. So, okay, so, so between, between, the, between the, uh, the assault, the siege... The neighbouring tribes allying with the Spanish through and with smallpox as well, which undoubtedly decimates local populations of their own allies. Yeah, the Spanish. absolutely. Yeah, um, no one's prepared to handle smallpox. They, not they in haven't South been America. exposed to it. It is no. just it's yeah. It's over for them. The Aztec the Aztec Empire, which you know was founded a couple of hundred years before, comes tumbling down and yeah. they are completely gutter stomped by That's Hernan it. Cortez yeah. and the Spanish Empire. It leads to some questions. Okay, yes. we've got a. Let's talk about colonialism and who the baddies are in this story yeah. because we've got, we've, like you say, the, the Aztecs were famous for their barbarism. And I want to also put a note out there that they're not the only ones. I mean, we've got lots of different cultures and practices around the world from Europe to Africa to Latin America to uh, North America where, where some cultural practices, which are incredibly physically harmful hmm. um, to people, 
Probably nothing quite on this scale. I mean, some of the earlier explorers, the Spanish explorers, calculated that was around 150-odd thousand skulls that they found at one point, but we know it was far more than that that died at the, the hands of the priests. Yeah. And... The, the it wasn't just the act of human sacrifice either. They used to do it while they were alive. Yeah. And they used to believe that it was, like, you would feel that hand going into your chest and you would feel the sinews snapping around your heart as being wrenched from your body. You're gonna, you're gonna, well, the brain's the last thing. That's where feeling happens. That's, yeah. You're going to feel that before you stop feeling anything. It would have been bloody and violent. And this is happening. Did they did they sacrifice children too? They I imagine did. they did. A, they, um, they seem like the kind of guys that would have done that. One of the um, things that has stuck with me since doing like doing a deep dive into Aztecs years and years ago was there was a ceremony, and I can't remember the god's name. It was the the rain god. Mm. Um, so a ritual to uh, to please the rain god involved carrying children in cages up the steps of the the ziggurats to be sacrificed. But the children needed to know beforehand that they were going to be sacrificed. So they'd scream to because the, gods. the tears were what pleased the god. Mm. And that is just so cruel. That's most unfortunate for them, it isn't is. it? That's almost yeah. as bad as watching Sesame Street early on a Sunday morning. Oh, I, I find that ins- I that. find that insufferable. It, it's it's a next level. We we don't really see much of this happening elsewhere. In, in no, because generally people, yeah. um, if you're killing people, that's less people to work your fields and um, to. Yeah, do yeah. The, the, the busy work that a society needs. But there's also it's also very detrimental to your economy in, in, mm-hmm. a, in regards to the loss of manpower. But as well, for a long time now, in our lifetime, the Spanish have been heralded as the baddies in this story, and they're not nice guys. I mean, no. But but that being said, it begs that age old question of the lesser of two evils here. I mean, lots of people would like to argue and say, well, the Spanish were bad, and it was a you know they, they what they did with the Aztecs was wrong. Well, what the Aztecs did to the Aztecs and other yeah. local people was wrong as well. The Mexican are bad. Again, people. it's you look at, you're looking through the lens, you're looking at a historical event through a contemporary lens. Yeah. And you're saying these people are good or bad, and I think that's problematic. What do you reckon? I agree with you. I'm inclined to kind of say that if there's a good guy in this story, it is the the non-Mexica people of the Aztec Empire mm. um, who used Spanish support as a tool to topple a, a, a dynasty that they didn't like. Because Moctezuma and the earlier leader, successive leaders of the, of the Mexica, they were literally doing the exact same thing that any European power yeah, was it. doing. They were occupied. The, they were. As, yeah. Um, and enslaving them. Yeah, and 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 they had a lesser view of those that they overtook. Look what old mate did to that girl, to that girl, skinning yeah. her and wearing her around. Yeah, like so we 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 see this. We so long have this negative view of colonial European powers that they are what they are doing is evil to to this. And to some extent, this is true. When they set out for the systematic genocide and and destruction of culture in order to replace it with theirs. Yeah, yeah. I, think I start getting a little bit toey, more toey than a Roman sandal when it comes to <laughs> things like that. The instance of so the, the case with the Aztecs is, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say unique, but it does present it's it's more morally ambiguous than than what happened in New Zealand or Australia. Yes, where you could make a lot a much clearer argument in those cases that colonialism was the wrong thing to do. Do you think that there is a level of sympathy for the Aztecs? Um, from the uh, from for us now, we have a level of sympathy for the Aztecs because of the way that they went out. They were snuffed out by the smallpox kind of thing. Do you yeah. think that cha- they didn't get a chance to to have a go out with a blaze of glory? I'm sure they would have liked that. They were surviving Aztecs, and they were exiled from the city, mm. um, so they were no longer allowed to live in Tenochtitlan, which became Mexico. No longer city. allowed to go to America either. <laughs> yeah, in years to come. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's like, uh, yeah, it's not the way the 
Aztecs would have liked to have gone out, I'm sure. And mm. plagues are nasty things. So maybe tragedy. Yeah, yeah. It's tragedy tragic. is what's cool. I mean, we don't feel the same level of tragedy for the ending of, of other uh, European powers. Like they have yeah. a level of sympathy for the Aztecs. But I think, yeah, the Aztecs get lumped into with like the... Um, like Indigenous Americans, Indigenous Australians, mm. the Maori people, where there is like a loss of culture there as well. And some of the Aztec artwork and jewellery is really cool looking. All right. Um, it yeah. is. I agree. Yeah. I agree. All righty. We're moving to that segment. Oh, sugar. Yeah. Which, which coincidentally was one of the things that did not come from no, South they, America. Yeah, hence their shitty chocolate. So... You're familiar with this. You have suffered. Yeah, the, I've done this before. The, the, I hated it. Yeah, yeah. I hated it, but I'll do it again. That's what she said. All right, so let's How go. How do to you the, know that? <laughs> All right, so listeners, Nate Denham now has one minute to summarize everything that we've talked about across this podcast to leave you with what you should remember about the Aztecs and the Spanish conquest of them. Without further ado, Nathan Denham, for the second time around, Oof. you begin in three, two, one. Go. So the Aztec Empire was ruled by a group called the Mexica who lived in Tenochtitlan, a city on an island in the middle of Lake Texcoco. They were particularly violent, offering human sacrifices to their primary god, Huitzilopochtli, who was the god of war and the god of the sun. Uh, now they were able to establish control over the region um, surrounding Lake Texcoco after being expelled from neighboring kingdoms by developing an alliance with other groups who wanted uh, to avoid paying excessive taxes. But the Aztecs were cruel rulers who continued to practice human sacrifice and impose their will through violence and intimidation. Uh, when Hernan Cortes, uh, he's a Spanish conquistador, arrived on the Mexican coast in 1519, he's able to form alliances with some of those kingdoms within the Aztec Empire uh, as, his, as his armies are um, marching on Tenochtitlan. When he reaches the city, he's welcomed in by Emperor Moctezuma II. Uh, Cortes takes him captive and places him under house arrest within his own palace, ruling Tenochtitlan through him. A massacre of the Aztecs during a ritual sacrifice leads to civil unrest during uh, which he's stoned or assassinated, uh, depending on who you ask. The Aztecs are then beset by a smallpox pox plague while Cortes rallies support from surrounding native kingdoms. The Spanish then cut the causeways connecting the city uh, and uh, they fall. Nate. No. Like Moctezuma before you, you have failed. Ah, oh, sh- you are. You were seventeen seconds over. Oh, that's. Tough. I don't think I can. I don't think I can even cut it. You know. Well, yeah, because it's it's so rich with good information. It's, it's chocolatey. Yeah, it's chocolatey, lovely. Yeah. yeah. Well, that about wraps up season one of Modern History Podcast. And we'd like to thank you guys for listening. It's been jolly good fun bringing you these episodes, and we hope you've enjoyed them as much as the Spanish enjoyed Aztec gold. We're going to take a short break, but don't go anywhere because we'll be back soon with more Modern History episodes that will tickle your pickle and remind you of why loving history is a jolly good pastime. For now, though, please tell all of your clever friends about our early episodes, which are available wherever they get their podcast. Or if you don't have any clever friends, then follow us on Instagram at modern underscore history where you might be able to connect with some. This episode was produced by me, researched by Nate Denham, and the Modern History theme tune was written and recorded by the brilliant Ella Dwyer. Until next time, thank you for listening and a Merry Christmas or whatever you do at this time of year to all. Cheers, guys. Bye.